And we're off. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> we're back. We took a week off last hey, week. Hey, right back at you. Weird. How are you? I'm good. Gee, it was funny. Um, last night was the first night Gianna has slept throughout the entire night. Yeah. And you would think that I went just an amazing eight to 10 hours of sleep, but I kept waking up and so did Steph. Every, I think my parents, all the parents can relate, but it was the first time. So normally when I, my body just kept waking up being like, is she okay? How is she still sleeping? Why is she still, she's going to wake up any minute and I'm going to, I might as well just stay up. And so I got very little sleep last night, despite the fact that my daughter slept through the entire evening. I don't know what to say. So I'm tired. God's probably punishing you for something. <laughs> I mean, sure. there's got to be something he's punishing you. That's for. right. Yeah. I thought the bike accident was enough, but um, we'll just add it in. You had to go with that one. <laughs> you had to bring that one up. That's Is this right. going to be like your ultimate trump card? Oh, yeah. Like the rest of our, like our friendship for the rest of our lives. You can be like, yeah, but I had the bike accident. Man, I have such a busy day today. I have like confessions and baptism. And <laughs> I wedding. do not sound like Yeah, that. yeah, dude, but I got hit by a car. Yeah, yeah. Take that. <laughs> Take that. I uh, I want to give uh, a couple of shout outs. Yes. One, uh, kind of a shout out, kind of a prayer request. So Patrick, you've met my friends, the Emersons. Yep. So Cole and Caitlin Emerson, who are dear friends of mine, wonderful couple up in Fort Collins, Colorado, although they were making fun of Boulder yesterday. <laughs> but- uh, Haters. Caitlin's dad passed away about a week ago, mm. and I did the funeral yesterday, and it was a beautiful funeral. And so, just want to ask her prayers for Ed Rutherford. Yes, uh, he was a, a good man. I didn't know him that well, a little bit, just through his daughter and son-in-law, but a good man. And uh, may he rest in peace, and may there be healing and, and peace for the family. And uh, just a beautiful funeral. I was at Greg Peterson's parish up in Windsor. Colorado. Oh, awesome. Uh, Father Greg Peterson, Our Lady of the Valley, along with Father C.J. Mast. Uh, so blessings on them. And then one more thing I just wanted to throw out and just say is that here uh, in South Denver, we're going to be opening a new high school. Boom. And we're super excited about that. The name of the high school is St. John Paul the Great High School. And uh, super pumped. Is there a mascot yet? I don't think we have a mascot. The Pope's. Yeah, it's not exactly like the most yeah. like <laughs> yeah. like automatic mascot. Yeah, that's a good question. I like the Pope's. Yes. All the kids could make like those miters, you know, the bishop's hats, the Pope hat, like the pointed one for the basketball games and stuff. Come that's on. right. In the student That'll section. That'll really intimidate other teams. Maybe you can get that, the uh, umbrellas from... The cathedral. Oh, I hate that umbrella. <laughs> There's some, this is where like everybody's like, oh, everything that the church ever does is tradition. No, it's not. That's right. Yeah. That's like uh, the weird umbrella that we have in our cathedral is like a sign that like the Pope visited or something. And it just, you go to the cathedral, it's beautiful. And then there's like the circus umbrella. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Really sticks out. Um, I'll give a shout out here. We, so we had an awesome um, event. Obviously this will come out little bit after we're recording this but last weekend for our gala we had brisket and brews that was a fun event that was awesome chef sam shout out he was awesome the food was delicious sam bittner that's right he has a business we should give a shout out to that. It's a saucy suppers i think is what it's called he also 
totally dragged me downstairs and was like, I got to show you something. I thought it was going to be like extra food. <laughs> and he was playing. Is that why you went down? That's 100% why I went down. And he was playing Gregorian rant or chant, like uh, actual oh, chant yeah, music. That, yeah. And I was like, come on. Yeah. Um, and then I just feel like I need to give a shout out to uh, Jason Whitehouse because I know he listens while He's at work guy. at the Archdiocese. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be, we just had such a wonderful event. It was awesome. Well received. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Jason Whitehouse is like the head of IT, I want to say, for the diocese. That's right. And he's just a great guy. He he has to present to the priests at different times. <laughs> and I know he hates it. But I just want to say, Jason, you do a great job. And what I appreciate from him is that a lot of different people get up and present to the priests at different meetings. And every one of them, it's like, they you can just feel they want to go about triple the allotted time. <laughs> totally. And kind of like me. Yeah. And Jason's great because he's like, here's what you need to know. Here's how you do it. Thanks for your time. I and love it. I appreciate it. you, Jason. That's right. And uh, now I just got to convince Tamara to allow more video games in the household and possibly at Lord's school. But Dr. Uh, Sachs might have something he, to say about right. that. <laughs> 45 minutes per day. My only argument with that, and I was talking to Jason about this, <laughs> I don't know if Dr. Sachs knows that he allows like Madden and FIFA and like some of those sports games. Right, but not Grand Theft Auto. Not Grand Theft Auto, for mm -hmm. sure. Call of Duty is frowned upon in Dr. Sex, but it's really hard to fit in a full length game in 45 minutes. And then... The Can you pause it though and come back to it or does it have to... Is it kind of off? But then it's going to... The machine's going to overheat overnight and you got to wait till tomorrow. But the bigger thing is with, with those games and why they're so bonding for young adults is it's always it always turns into best out of three on fifa or on any call of sports duty? game oh, sports games okay. uh even potentially call of duty but if you're playing one of the sports games it's like you can't just have one game it's like no you beat me give me another chance yeah that's true you make your bet you're gonna play another one then the other person wins it's like okay now we go to best of three so you're usually yeah. there for two hours. I need Dr. Sachs to increase two hours. That's my rant. You guys have a great weekend. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Well, today we want, let's jump to our topic today. That's so right. It's related to the way Patrick opened up today mm, with his lack of that. sleep. Ooh. And so today I'm not completely done with the book, but I'm almost done. And I want to share with you just these are great insights. There's a little book. It's a kind of a bestseller out there right now uh, from a Protestant pastor guy named uh, John Mark Cummer, and he's a uh, pastor of a, it sounds like an evangelical kind of church in Portland, Oregon. Um, and he kind of pokes fun at himself in the book about being a little bit of a liberal. He even, he even says, he's like, you know, I'm really, I'm really okay with socialism. And he puts in parentheses, remember Portland. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciated that. I was like, okay, well, I like that he can poke fun of himself. And, yeah. Uh, that's not the thing I want to share though. But anyway, he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And With very hurry honestly- Hurry crossed out. And Hurry's crossed out on the cover. It's kind of getting rid of Hurry. Um, but I love the book. I'm, and again, I'm not quite done with it. I'm very close. But it's a very quick read. And I know you always say this, but, but legit, legit, this is like an, a very easy book. Like look at, look at the pages on there. Open up and look at like- Go, go, go from the front. Come on, man. This is That's 250 pages. It's yeah, but not look, 
Look at the look at the pages though. There's hardly any writing on the pages. The amount of because you read encyclicals, man. The amount of space he leaves on each page is crazy. There's lots of. If the book was like this, yeah. (laughs) If you can't see that, it was that that was a page where there's like six words on the page. That's right. But anyway, it's it's it really is a very easy read. Um, But his one of his big things is uh, something we all know. We all talk about how we're too busy. But I thought it was a great book. If, if you're a Catholic, a very famous Catholic book that we might've talked about on the podcast before, it's called Leisure, the Basis of Culture from yeah. Joseph Pieper. Uh, I know we've talked about Pieper. I don't know if that, I don't remember that. That's Pieper's most famous book. And that, that one is a much more intellectual and a much, very frankly, it's a much deeper treatment of the same kind of topic. And honestly, it's a better book, but, um, but this one's really good. And it was, and, and honestly, it's, it's, kind of, it's the kind of book where it's like, you should read this. And it was, when I read it, I was like, there's nothing in there I didn't know already, but it challenged me. And I was just like, amen. Which I think people didn't understand. It's very rare that you've ever recommended a, call it kind of a self-help or uh, motivational book. Like, I feel like you're not like the biggest, I'm surprised you read that. Well, it kind of overlaps. It's a book that overlaps with theology as well. Oh. So he starts and he, um, he's kind of, he kind of reminds me a little bit of me. And that's probably really arrogant. Maybe a better way to say this would be to say when he talks in the book about his own life and his story, it just deeply resonated with me. Interesting. Okay. Because what he did is he started with some other, uh, another pastor or two, I'm sure. He started a church in Portland and it just exploded. And much more so, honestly, than the Lord's has. Uh, he was doing, uh, I think he says he's doing like seven services a Sunday. And he was the teaching pastor, which if I was in the Protestant world, oftentimes they have, they have like what they call a lead pastor. Yep. Who's kind of like the head, he's just the head guy. That's right. The teaching pastor gets to be a little bit more academic. Got it. And so he gets to come in and he, he gets to spend more time studying. And so he gets to come in on Sundays and he gets to really go a little bit deeper into like, let's talk about the intellectual kind of piece of our faith. And here's what Jesus teaches and here's why he teaches it. Wow. And I think if I wasn't a Catholic, you know, they don't give us that option. Yeah. I would love if they did. <laughs> if they're like, okay, Larkin, you're a teaching pastor. I'd be like, yes. That's right. Thank you. No more fundraising, no more kind of org charts. And the only difference being, uh, they get to chew. Even in your scenario, that was hypothetical right there. Is it's still coming down from the top on what your role is going to be? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But it's kind of cool. So he, so he, what happened is he was very successful, and he talks about how every pastor's dream is to have a growing church. Yeah, and it does. I'm like, and I just, and he talks about it. so his church is growing. There's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of energy. There's young people. And that sounds a lot like Lord's. Yeah. And it is, it's exciting. It's fun. But he talks about how you begin to realize that you get to a point where you you're becoming someone that you never wanted to become. Mm. And in the name of good things, right. You're losing the most important things. And you know, he's, he's a Protestant pastor, so he's married, he's got kids and uh, he was starting to to get to a place where he really was like, I'm not, this is not how I'm supposed to live. Uh, and I just was sitting on the plane. I read this. I was, I flew out to Las Vegas with 
Caitlin and Cole and their kids uh, right after Caitlin's dad died. And I read most of this book on the two plane flights. And, and it's a short plane flight from, there's another pitch for how easy of a book this is. Uh, it's from, it's an hour and a 20 minute flight from Denver to Vegas yep. and back. So in um, two hours and 40 minutes, I read 200 pages. Yes. I mean, and I didn't spend all that time reading. Right, so. right. So it's, it's a very quick read. You can rush through it. But anyway, I just think, so he kind of starts and his, his big thing is like, so Jesus in Matthew 11, the end of Matthew 11, is a passage everyone I think probably knows. If you don't, that's okay. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are weary, and I will give you rest. Uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you will find rest for your souls. Um, and I, one of the great things he says, and I want to throw this back to you, but uh, one of the things he says then is he says, you know, a lot of us don't know what a yoke is. Do you know what a yoke is? He says, Jesus, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just remember the yoke of slavery. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really know what that would mean. No. So if you think of an agricultural like society, right? If you've got a plow or if you've got a, um, a cart or something, the yoke is what is that you have a bar, like kind of a wooden beam, and then you attach it to two oxen or two horses That's or whatever. Right. And he makes a great simple observation as he says, a yoke doesn't take a burden away. But it's a way to, it is a way to carry a burden. And I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah. And so what Jesus is talking about at the end of Matthew 11 is not that I'm going to, hey, I'm going to get rid of your burdens. It's that I'm going to give you a way to carry a burden that's going to make your life more, it's more doable. It's a way to carry a burden that's sustainable. And it's a way to go through life because all of us are going to have burdens, right? If you meet a pastor out there or a self help guru, who says I can take away all your burdens. That's, that's just not going to happen. But uh, what Jesus there is talking about is that if you take my yoke upon you, first of all, it means you're not doing it alone. Right. A yoke means you're going to be a yoke to another animal. Yep. And so Jesus is probably going to help. Not probably he is going to help carry your load with you, but it's a way to bear a load. Yeah. You got a heavy load on your back. We all feel that. I know Patrick and I were just talking like, there's a lot going on and you, yep. you're coming back into uh, working full time after a big, two huge life events with a big bike accident and then the birth of your daughter. And you walk right back in and there's just a heavy load. Yeah. And so what, I, what he's going to talk about is that uh, Jesus is going to offer us a way to bear a load. So what does, <clears throat> when you say, he started to become someone that he didn't like and, and you, he had kids and a family and all that kind of stuff. But what does that actually look like in, in the book? Cause I think you gave me a quick run. I've never read this book. I've never even, I've never even seen it yeah. or heard of it. It, it reminds me though, um, kind of from what I've heard, obviously removing any reference to the Bible, but there's mm. a lot of secular books like this. Yep. And I think I've talked about in the podcast too, you know, the subtle art of not, and and certain things that I think a lot of people just remove the God piece and make yeah. a lot of money by <laughs> claiming the universe or something. But yep. what does that, 
when you do get caught up in this busyness all in the name of something good, what did he feel like he was starting to become? So this, there's a couple of great lines here. And I was, I just was like, uh, I opened this up and he says a couple of lines from just the beginning of the book. He says, our church, our church grew really fast. And that's part of the trouble. I thought this is what I wanted. I mean, a fast growing church is every pastor's dream. But some lessons are best learned the hard way. Turns out I don't actually want to be the CEO, executive director of a nonprofit HR expert, strategy guru, leader of leaders, etc. <laughs> right? Does that sound like me? That's 100%. That's me. That's I'm really like, that funny. is me. That's right. Turns out I don't want to do those things. Turns out I, and part of, I'm, I'm hearing amazing parish whisper in my ear, Matt Rudolph and, and John Martin and uh, Al and Badia and all these guys and Kevin Cotter and part of being a leader means you've got to do things you don't want to do. That's right. right. And there, there is a truth to that. Yeah. But he says, I got into this thing to teach the way of Jesus. That's right. And then skip a paragraph. He says, who am I becoming? And so what he did is he's going through this kind of stress and he's thinking forward in his life. And he says, what's what's my life going to look like when I'm at this time? He's like in his early thirties. He says, what's my life going to look like when I'm 40? when I'm 50, when I'm 60, he says, I stop, breathe. By the way, there's spaces that, that stop is a whole line of a page. Mm. Well played dramatic. Two page stop or two, two line skip. Yep. So not a, not a heavy dense read. Breathe, envision myself at 40, 50, 60. It's not pretty. I see a man who is successful, but by all the wrong metrics. Church size, book sales, speaking invites, social status, etc. Oh, and he goes through all this kind of stuff. And always in a hurry. Uh, why am I in such a rush to become somebody I don't even like? And, and this is such a haunting line. I was just, I was reading this and I'm flying to Vegas. And I was just like, this is me. Yeah. But he says, in America, you can be a success as a pastor and a failure as an apprentice of Jesus. And the apprentice is his word for disciple. Okay. Which is the same as there's a, there's a great theologian out there, Stanley Hauerwas, who thinks apprentice is a better word because we've lost the sense of what a disciple means because that word's overused. Yep. But he says, I want to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple, an apprentice. You know, I, I could have all the right external looks, growing church. Everybody loves me, golden smile, but I've failed to actually listen to Jesus. Um, and he says that this is the haunting line that just killed me. He says, he says, as a pastor in America, you can gain a church and lose your soul. Mind blown, right? So anyway, he kind of long story short is he goes back and he, he decides to resign. Oh, did you turn in your pink stuff? I have not. Okay. I have not done that yet. But, um, but anyway, just, to, just a way to set this up, this conversation today. Um, I think we all feel that way. That's right. So everybody, right? Like I think one of the things that happens in our life is in the name of good things, you end up sacrificing the most important things. That's right. So just to be clear, you're not resigning. 
You're creating new boundaries. <laughs> I'll tell you if I'm resigning. <laughs> yeah. No, and we all know that. But um, I think what I find so fascinating about this topic, and it's really actually, I didn't even put this together. Literally on Sun on Monday night, I was laying there and I was like, just all these things adding up for the gala. And like you said, I mean, coming back to my first day, kind of hitting the ground running, it's not, wasn't exactly walking through the, you know, shallow end of the pool. It just jumped right in. Wall Street Journal came out with an article and the title was, this was this weekend, burned out, question mark, maybe you should care less about your job. And it's this whole article on the same kind of premise here of you start getting wrapped up into all of these achievements and a lot of different things when at the end of the day, the things that matter, God, your family, happiness, pushed aside. And and it really is this article about creating proper boundaries. Yeah. I hate giving credit here because Steph and her family, there's a I believe it's a Catholic book called Boundaries. And that's a, it's like a psychology book. I don't yeah. know if they're Catholic. I, they're Christian though. I think it I think Father Greg she, Peterson loves that book. She may have been referred to it from Focus. I, yeah. I don't know what the tie is, but it's very common, especially in the fundraising world and, and for focus, like you need to create boundaries and, and yep. understand you're not on the clock 24 seven. Although, especially in church life, it feels that way. It totally Especially does. for you. I mean, you're doing nightly sick calls and this and that, and someone's calling you at 8 PM about the mass times they don't like and all this kind of stuff. And how do you get home and just turn your phone off? Because it's more important to be with Gianna right now than it does to answer that phone call. But what I find so interesting about this topic is every time I hear of anybody coming to this realization, it is post-death or post some life revelation that has right. happened or they got sick, they, they have cancer, they have something that really took this life-altering moment to be like, wait a second, what am I doing? Yeah. I have a private plane for me to fly around to my business meetings, but I don't spend time. I haven't seen my kid play once in a sporting event. I haven't any of that kind of stuff that it's, and I feel like when you're in the thick of it, it always kind of sounds like, um, you know, well, I'll deal with that later. I just got a little bit more and then I made it. You know, I've only got so much more to go and then, then I'll totally dive into the things that I think I really matter to me. Um, but I think you absolutely convolute it when it's for the, good cause of the church or what in this book, especially, it's hard to kind of separate and create those boundaries because it is in the name of trying to build the church. Yeah. And I think this is one of the ways that we, there's a weird thing that can, that easily happens. This is what Father Goronsky would call um, Jesus Inc. And he, he was very critical of this kind of way of thinking. And he was right. I think Father Goronsky could push it a little bit too far, but, but on the whole, he was right. And his, his thing was like, Jesus doesn't have a program. He doesn't have a um, strategic plan. Uh, Jesus is the union of, of God with, with man. And so it's very easy for us. It's very easy for us to say, this is what we, to impose worldly categories on the gospel. Yep. And to say, this is what success looks like. And I know focus has to deal with this all the time. I sometimes kind of disagree with focus, but I will, with the caveat that I love what they do. And I, I, we have 
you know, overwhelming kind of eye to eye with focus. But, and I think, you know, Curtis Martin's a close friend of mine and he would get this as well. He would not disagree that, uh, Christianity is not a, uh, exercise in efficiency. Yeah. And the, the, the problem is, is that no one would really say that outright. I think the problem though is you say, but we've got to be efficient to achieve the goals that Jesus has asked us to make. But what subtly happens, I think, in our life is that in the midst of fighting for things that are kind of the intermediate goal, so we've got to be more efficient because we've got to go to, we've got to grow another church next year. Right. And reaching souls for Jesus, that is the goal. But in the midst of that, it's so easy for us to get so obsessed with the intermediate goal that we actually lose sight of the bigger, the, the reason we're there in the first place. Yep. And I think this, the reason I think this book has been a bestseller is because whether you don't have to be a pastor for this, you don't have to be working in ministry, but it's such a common experience. St. Augustine knew this, by the way. St. Augustine talks about how so much of the way the devil gets us is that he, he disrupts the hierarchy of goods. And so it's not bad to like a good house, to want a nice house. There's right. nothing wrong with that. That's totally fine. Um, in fact, if we have time today, we'll see. We might get to heat one of his practices and one of the disciplines, he says, that you should embrace is simplicity. Yep. And I really like the way he talked about it. And in fact, it really resonated with, I think, what the Companions of Christ are about. Because we talk about poverty, but we all, usually when we're talking to people, we'll say, obviously, I'm not poor in the usual sense of that word. Right? Like, I have a, I have a car that's totally decent. It's fine. It's great. I actually love it. I have a nice house, right? I'm, I'm not going to go without food, blah, 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 blah. Right. So he talks about simplicity. He's like, you need to minimalize. You need to live a simple life. Um, because what happens is you say, I want a nice house. And again, every one of us knows this, but we need someone to call us out on it. Yep. Is we're like, I want a nice house. But what ends up happening is you own a nice house, but at, at the end, your house owns you. That's right. Right? Yep. I don't know if you've experienced that. You and Steph got a nice house. It's, I love your house. But I think you've probably already experienced this of you and Greg Rogers have been doing projects. And it's That's like, right. Okay, I've got, I've got a nice house now, but now I've got to maintain it. And there's a, co- even aside from financial costs, there's a human, a time and anxiety cost that comes with all of these things. And when we simplify, right, we, we find a better life. That's right. I, gosh, the timing of this, this is not planned. There's a new song that Steph and I have like, we literally just had this conversation of we want to make it like our family song. Uh-huh. And the intro, um, it's with Luke Is Bryan. it All Are Welcome? No, it's called By Dirt. By it's, Dirt. It's his country okay. song. Okay. And it opens just really quick. A few days before he turned 80, he was sitting out on the back in the rocker. He said, what have you been up to lately? I told him chasing a dollar. In between sips of coffee, he poured this wisdom out and said, if you want my two cents on making a dollar count, buy dirt. Find the one you can't live without. Get a ring. Let your knee hit the ground. Do what you love, but call it work. Throw a little money in the plate at church. Send up prayers and your root, send your prayers up and your roots down deep. Uh, add a few limbs to your family tree. And he, the whole premise is this concept of like, it's not about making the dollar. He's like, this guy is 80 years old. And this yep. goes back to that point of like, 
It's always like the self-reflection at the end of life that you're like, I wish I would have been more simple. I wish I wouldn't have gotten caught up in all the maintenance around the house or trying to get a new house and all that kind of stuff. The whole thing and, and why he says buy dirt is he, his idea was once you're, I watched this documentary on it, it was like, appreciate the house you have because it's about the people that are in it. Yeah. Not the house. Not the house. There's a great, <clears throat> yeah, I love this stuff. And it's so compelling. And I think one of the things that makes this hard is that I don't think you can do this on your own. That's right. I, I'm to a, to a certain degree, maybe. But actually, I think part of what makes this difficult is that our, if our entire society is worshiping money, which he makes that point in the book, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus says, right, in Matthew chapter six, you cannot serve both God and mammon, right? Which is the God of money. Mm. You can't serve both. And the word to serve, and in the Hebrew mind, to serve and to worship is the same word, which is avad, avodah. Um, but anyway, so you, you can't do both. But I think part of what makes it so difficult is what if all of us did it together? Yeah. Because if the hard thing is if I'm trying to live this, but no one else is, I just look like a total loser. That's right. And everyone, and I'm upsetting people because the, the expectation is that all of us answer emails and texts immediately. That's right. All of us are running all the time. We're available all the time. There are no boundaries. Yep. And if you're the one guy who has boundaries, it's, it's, it's a it's lot harder to do time. that. It's That's a lot right. harder to do that. Even, <clears throat> even in my own journey, like I'll, I'll <laughs> say this. I mean, I thought after my mom died, I mean, I was on the total, we've all heard this, but on the secular route, aspiring for more and more and more. Yeah. Mom dies and I'm like, wait a second. None of this is going to bring her back. So what am I doing? Yeah. And then that leads me, I quickly jump into commercial real estate for the commission. Right. And then I have an opportunity here at Lord's, yep. you know, cut a big chunk of things out in that journey. And then you know, I think I, I'm right now even thinking when you announced here at Lords, I mean, literally effective, I think this week or last week, that we're gonna open the church we're gonna open the office at eleven AM on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. My like because we want to do a holy hour as a staff and breakfast and it's just kind of like our time for prayer. Because when you get caught up in church life, I thought when I took this job. I'd be doing the rosary every day, like walking around Harvard Gulch and like <laughs> Gregorian chants, praying, and, yeah, burning incense yeah. and like, I don't know, flagging cars down, talking the gospel and just whatever. And it, it, ha- it is so much more than that, yeah. almost more demanding than the life in commercial real estate. And when you said, you're like, we're going to open up at 11, the number, I mean, my, the triggers that went off in my head of like, <gasps> I'm not going to be able to check my email until 11. No way. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to fundraise if I'm just sitting around until 11? Like, all those things. And it is the outside pressures of things you feel like have to be done right now, mm-hmm. where I totally respect where you're coming from. Like, we need you to say, no, it's okay. Yep. You know, because otherwise you're right. Like, by yourself, all, it, it feels like the ultimate tug of war of life of like, dude, I just want to sit here and hang out with the baby and be a fantastic father and do something I love and make money and provide for my family. Yeah. And then I, th- three minutes later, I'm like, I got to go to work. 
hit my bonus and I need to, you know, <laughs> and then like I have seven dinners lined up for the rest of the week. And Steph's like, uh, you're not gonna be home at all to put the baby down. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and it's this ultimate tug of war of life that yeah. you get wrapped up in these goals. Yeah. No, so my, <clears throat> let me share my, my favorite image from the book. And yes. I think you'll really resonate with this. So one of the great, one of the best images I think he gave is he's, he lives in Portland, big running culture out there, right? Nike's just outside of Portland, I think. That's right. Eugene. Eugene, Oregon. So he's, he talks about how he would get up a lot of days. He gets up in the morning, goes outside and there's a big running culture in Portland as there is in Denver. Yeah. Boulder and, especially. Yeah. And so he was out one morning and there's a bunch of really trim, just really fit runners. <sighs> Excuse me. So he's out, he's out and he sees these guys and there's a group of them and they're warming up and they're stretching and they just look good. He's like, man, I want to be like that. I want to look like that and be active and be super fit and in that lean kind of way. And there's kind of an aesthetic to it. Yep. And the way he talks about it is he says, I want that life. But he says, uh, what he did is, he thought about, he sat there and he was really intrigued and he thought about it for a minute and he said, what I thought about was, well, you know, last night my wife and I stayed up till midnight, just purely hypothetical. I was kind of joking. It's really <laughs> funny. He says, we were up till midnight, binge, you know, binging on Netflix, had a couple glasses of wine, had a great dinner. And he's like, those guys last night probably went to bed at eight o'clock and for dinner they had celery and water. Yep. And the turn of phrase that I thought was really helpful is he says, in that moment, I realized what I wanted. I wanted kind of the life or the good of what they look like right there. But I wanted that life, but I didn't want that lifestyle. That's right. And I know you relate to this with sports. And he turns that to the gospel. Yep. And he says, you know what all of us want? We read John 10, 10, John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. Yep. And we're like, yep, yes, Lord, I want, I want abundant life. Yes, I want that feeling of like, I am loved and eternity is real and truth and goodness. But when Jesus says, uh, live simply, uh, do not worship money, uh, find time for prayer, do not work on Sabbath, we don't want that lifestyle. And I just was like, this is a great way of saying this, is, yeah. that, is that so many of us, we want the love of Christ. We want his salvation. We want that joy in that life. But if we're going to have that, Jesus, and so it was popular in, so, you know, over the last 200 years, the enlightenment kind of in philosophy, what a lot of people wanted to do is they wanted to say, Jesus is a great teacher, but that's it. He's only a teacher. And like, and that's a very common way to just write off Jesus. It's, it's just, it's, it's a guy who's living with his girlfriend and has no interest in ever living a righteous life. Yep. He's like, oh yeah, I've got no problem with Jesus. He's a great teacher. I just don't think he's God. AKA, I don't give an F. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's commonplace for Christians to react and say, no, Jesus is God. He's not just, a, he's not a teacher. He's God, which is true. But one of the things that this book convicted me of and it's so simple, but he was like, but Jesus is a teacher. 
And he is the one. And if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, his word again, as apprentice, you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You have to listen to his teaching. You got to take it seriously. Right. Right. And so when Jesus teaches things, are you willing to listen to say, this is the man. And it's not just like, oh, this sucks. But if I want to go to heaven, I got to follow it. It's really compelling. It's very simple. But he just says, Jesus is the one who teaches us how to live a life that is the best life. Come to me, all you who labor and are weary, and I will give you rest, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you feel burned out? And he asks a lot of questions just directly to the reader in this book. And he's like, do you feel burned out? And I'm on the plane nodding my head. Yes. <laughs> totally. Right? Yeah. Do you wish that uh, you had more time to just be with Jesus and instead of doing things for him, to just be with him? And my head's, I'm on the plane. No one sat next to me because they saw me in my collar. <laughs> totally. And I'm just nodding my head at my book. Yes. Isn't that so cool though? But I love the lifestyle. And you as an athlete, right? You would say that to me at the gym. When we used to work out, you would be at the gym with me and we'd see somebody that's straight out of a magazine and you just whisper to me like 100% on steroids. Yeah. 100% eating nothing but celery and water. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the, uh, I mean, several things. I think first, that analogy is the best coming from even my own personal experience of an eating disorder, but everyone, it sounds so scary, you know, like, oh God, you had an eating disorder. Like when someone has it, it's very shameful. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's like, when I overcame the eating disorder and I realized that like, first of all, do you, like to achieve the cover of a magazine for your physique is so unbelievably excruciatingly painful. Like your life is a scientific equation. You're counting calories, everything you can't eat, you're eating between certain times, you know, if it's right. you're fasting for part of the day, not for religious purposes, but because you're going to burn extra calories, it's really miserable. Yeah. And you're exercising all the time and if you miss a workout, you're panicked. All that kind of stuff. So you walk out and you do, you you glamorize and you're like, "Man, I wish I looked that way." Yeah. But then when you when I came through the industry and I was like, wait a second, I can go enjoy. I was dating Steph. I was like, I can go enjoy ice cream. I can have a glass of wine. Yeah. And and have nothing ever felt better. Even when I was going through that and I achieved a certain physique, I was still emotionally fit, like so sad, so depressed. Yep. But it wasn't until I really started having a glass of wine or enjoying community with friends and eating bread at the table. And having a great time. Yeah. And it didn't matter about the six pack. Yep. That was actually super detrimental. And I think what's funny though about hearing your analogy with the gospel is the concept of like we watched, uh, we started watching The Chosen. Everybody loves that show. I've, I've seen two episodes. I, I'm a big fan. I think it's the first um, Christian series that I've seen that's actually really well produced. Like mm-hmm. just visually, it's really good. Um, I cannot, I mean, we all hear my pop quiz on this podcast. I'm, I'm not going to vouch for the validity of the accuracy of their scripture knowledge. Um, but I think it's pretty good. I, my knowledge or the actual 
chosen. I'm referring to the chosen. Oh, perfect. Thanks, man. Um, no, but the, uh, <laughs> I think what's interesting though, is I remember that in the opening towards the beginning of it, they showed Jesus and he's like interacting with the kids mm-hmm. and he's living out by a river, like making like wood craftsmanship. And I'm cracking up like, man, I wish I could live the way Jesus teaches, but it's not practical now. I don't live in a hay barn out by a river, just like watching the daylight go by all day, you know, like, and I look at it. So I kind of write it off as if like, well, that was written 2000 years ago. I'd like to see him now when he has to not buy an iPhone. Right. You know, and like, and I, I discredit, it's funny, you discredit Jesus and his teaching, yet suicides and depression have never been higher. Oh, yeah. And anxiety and the pressures and all this kind of stuff of like, the more we've consumed, the worse we've become. Yeah. As no, a that's right humanity. On. No, and he goes into a lot of that stuff. And what, and, and it's, I mean, he just asks very basic questions. I thought he did a great job of what if Jesus is right? Yeah. And then he'll like skip two lines and he'll say, really? Question mark. Skip two lines. Make you think. What if he yeah. really is? What if? And I, I, uh, a couple of the disciplines he recommends. And the, again, this is where, and I love, he's, he's obviously a very intelligent pastor. I do always laugh. I feel like pastors, when they <laughs> are looking for meat in the Protestant world, for real spiritual wisdom, they, like 90% of the time, they're going to look to Catholic authors. Oh, yeah. And so he, and not to, not to dog on Protestants, but I just find that interesting. He, he quotes Catholic authors and saints left and right. And he quotes Protestant authors too, but I was amazed at how many Catholic thinkers he, he quotes in here. But the disciplines he recommends is you have to have some disciplines in your life. And the, 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 they're very basic ones. They're ones all of us know. But we've just got to get serious and we've got to commit to them. And the, the truth is, you're going to have a better life if you do. That's right. So prayer. You've got to commit to prayer. Um, he, the, the, the three, and I can pull up the table of contents here just to make sure I'm not missing any of them. But he talks about simplicity of life. And I want to talk just a, a very briefly about that. Uh, but he says, so... Uh, four practices for unhurrying your life. If you're always in a hurry, and just think about this. When I'm in a hurry, you've seen me like this so much. Yeah. When I'm in a hurry, I don't treat people very well. Natural. I, people, you know, people are stopping me. They need, they need me in the present moment. They need me to be present to them. And I can't because I'm always running somewhere. That's right. And I'm always in the back of my mind trying to figure out a way to get them to hurry up get to your point so I can move on to the next thing. Yep. But he, he talks about how do, how do we slow down and how do we live the kind, how do we become the kind of men and women that we know we're supposed to be right. And when you're, when you're short with your kids, I have parents come to me all the time and they say, I'm so short with my kids. How do we change that? Yep. You know, it's, it's always going to be hard. You're never going to be a perfect parent. Kids are a lot, all the right caveats, but maybe your life's too full. So he talks about silence and solitude. And that he does a good job of that. A much be- Joseph Pieper does a far better job of that. 
if you really want to understand that, that's the leisure, the basis of culture book. You cannot live a really human life if you don't have some silence and time for reflection and solitude in your life. And that can't just be like during mass. If your whole life is running, run, 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 and then you try to slow down for an hour on Sunday, yep, not going to happen. Right. There's no way. Your, your wheels are spinning like crazy. Okay, but he talks about silence and solitude, Sabbath, and I want to tell a story about that, simplicity and slowing. And Sabbath, for instance, he gets this wrong. He thinks Sabbath is still Saturday, which in the Jewish word you find. Right. But he thinks that Christians should still practice on Saturday. He's wrong about that, and we don't have time for today's podcast about that, but he's wrong. That I think we might have done that podcast already. Possibly. But he's, but he's got a lot of insight on the importance of Sabbath. When I did this, and I'll just tell you this, when I first realized that Jesus gives us, a, that the commandment to rest is still a commandment. Right. Uh, the key, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. That commandment still holds. It's just been transferred to Sunday. Yep. When I started taking that seriously, which I, the first time I really started taking it seriously was in, um, I think it was my last year of college, changed my life. And in seminary, when I, everybody else does all their work on Sunday, they do all their studying. They didn't do Friday or Saturday. They do it all on Sunday. Yep. When I started the spiritual discipline, as he calls it, of observing Sabbath, I became a new human being. Sunday went from, Sunday was the worst day of my life. That's I right. hated Sunday every <laughs> week because right. all my work I had to get done. And then I was just dreading Monday. Yep. And I thought, oh, tonight I've got a, I've got a, and what happens is you never enter into the fullness of life. You never enter into the blessing. God created this world out of a blessing. And, and the Sabbath is the day that God blessed and set it apart and made it holy. And for us, Sunday is the day that you remember you were not created for this world. It's a day that you, that you don't belong to Pharaoh. You don't belong to consumerism. You don't belong to the anxieties of your inbox. It's a day where you can exist for God and be joyful. And he's, I love the way he talks about it. He talks about his family and some of the practices they have together. Yep. And he even <clears throat> says it at, at the end of the book, he talks about, he gives a shout out to his family. He says, I love you so much. I can't wait for Sabbath. Oh, I love it. It's awesome. Heck, I get emotional just talking about it. It's like, you think of a dad who's, I don't, I don't um, kind of like rest on the weekends so I can work better. Yep. But I flip that around. I work, but what I live for is for that Sabbath with my family. That's right. And it's so beautiful just listening to him talk about time with my wife and my kids and with God on, on the Sabbath day where I rest. So that, that's a big one. Um, and then the other, the other one, simplicity. And I just wanted to throw this out and then I'll throw it back to you. But the, I thought a very simple point he made, but was a, a great point is that <clears throat> your stuff is not just costing you money, but the more stuff you have, the more that you're driving your life to work harder so you can have more money to pay for your more stuff. Right. And so you, we end up, the most precious thing you have is time. And what all of us do, and again, we got to do this together, is if we lived in a different society where we could live a little more simple life. And I don't have to have the next thing. I don't have to have too much stuff. We've got too much stuff. He talks about the storage industry. I th it's funny. 
I do resonate with him a lot. I feel like we're basically the same person, but a Catholic priest and a Protestant pastor. But he talks, and I always think that you drive by these storage units. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell do all of these people need storage units for? And he goes into the, all the stats about how many billions and billions of dollars the storage unit industry is in America. Yep. And it's all these Americans who have way too much crap. Yep. But they're worshiping a false God. And so if you have stuff you have to put in a storage unit, you got too much stuff. Totally. And there's a freedom that comes when we, when we free ourselves of materialism, we also get to a place of we have more time in our lives. I don't have to worry about taking care of everything all the time. Yep. And guess what? I get to have a meaningful conversation with my daughter about how she's doing in eighth grade rather than worrying about, I've got my eight cars and five TV screens. That's right. Right. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's literally, it's such a good point. There's literally shows on the bidding war that happens of people that have left their storage units. Like literally junk goes for so much more money for people that have like just forgot or can't afford their storage unit anymore. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's a question for you though. So <clears throat> we've acknowledged you're not submitting your pink slip. And as far as you know, as far as I know, as of today, it has not happened. And, Correct. and, and in college you started to observe Sabbath. Yes. Now reading this though, and, and hearing, I mean, you were so excited to talk about this book. So what are you doing? What's like your practical takeaway though, that you can start to implement that is going to actually help you in not being in a constant hurry at all times? That's a really good question. So <clears throat> Sabbath is a little different for priests. That's right. But I don't think you can just transfer it. So Monday's my day off, and that's not the same thing as a Sabbath day. Still matters, but uh, Sunday for us as Christians, right, has a theological importance. That's right. It's the day of redemption. It's the day that speaks of God's redemption out of the world, that the world owns our lives, and God saves us from being slaves to this world. So I don't think you can just transfer that to another day. Sunday is very theologically rich. So, uh, but I, I do need to do a better job. Some stuff has started creeping into my day off and I need to, I need to kind of not do that. But I think one of the biggest things for me is I think it's a constant reminder of, uh, spending time with Jesus Yeah, and actually listening to him. Yep. And so like, I know in my life, a big, a really important thing for my health is reading. And that's part of the way that I am a follower of Jesus is that I listen to what he actually teaches. I learn what he teaches. And a lot of these books help me with that. Yeah. But I think if there's an interior attitude, because very honestly, a lot of the disciplines he recommends in this book, I already do. Yeah. The problem that I have is that I'm a people pleaser. And so people say, well, Father Brian, I need to meet with you. And I have this problem in my life and we've, I just need some of your time. I have a very hard time saying no to people. Totally. And so probably the best thing I can do in my life and the best thing for Lords as well in St. Louis is I need to, we used to say the time is a lot like money and you can do the same things with money you can do with time. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. Yep. And I, I mostly spend my time and I spend money. That's right. 
And the better two practices, I would actually, I would actually argue that wasting time is really important because you're not created to be efficient. Like wasting time with Jesus. That's amazing. That's right. But probably the number one thing I need, the discipline I need to embrace, I think in my life is investing time instead of spending time with Jesus. So I know I would actually say in other people, because mm. what happens right now is that I think it lords and I love my people. I think I built up a relationship and a credibility with lords that people want. They always want to meet with me. Totally. But that's unsustainable. Right. And what I need to do is I need to invest in four people to say, there's got to, there, I can't meet with everybody. Yep. But I could invest in four people who then, there's, if there's five of us instead of one, right? That, totally. That we, that's, you're saying. that's what I think I that's need right. to do. Yeah. That's, that's a big part of the discipline in my life that I need to, to let go of spending time with everybody. And instead, I need to invest time in people who can then invest time in others. Because I think that has been the craziest part for me, experiencing your day-to-day. And it is nuts. Like It is absolutely remarkable where it's like, you're right. People say they need to meet with you. They don't... It's one of those. It's like a a therapist almost. It's not like, I I don't want to wait six weeks for my consult. I need to see you now because life is happening. That's right. So it's very challenging. So interesting. I will get the audio of this book. I think that could be a great audio book, yeah. Yeah, because um, I'm just not going to read it. And, um, <laughs> but no, I, Honesty I think Honesty is a virtue. I, I do think it is just so interesting. And again, if there's a way to really start living it and understanding those teachings before it gets too late. Yeah. Yeah, take charge of your life before your life takes charge of you. That's right. If you don't, if you don't choose this intentionally, right? It, there's, no, there's no such thing as a disciple of Jesus who got there by accident. Right. By not thinking about it. The only way you become a disciple of Jesus is intentionally. It's by reflection in your life on what is important and what is not important. And it's about choosing intentionally to listen to what he teaches us and implementing it. And I, I want to be better at that. I'm a bit of a hypocrite today because I hurry a lot. <laughs> uh, but I want to get better. And I, and I do want to be a follower of Jesus and I want, I don't want to just believe that he's God and rejoice in that goodness. I want to follow what he teaches me to do. Yep. And I want to live the life that he says is best for me. So I encourage you to do the same. Send us an email, rant at lordsdenver.org. Give us a thumbs up, a like, uh, help us spread the, the gospel. Good conversation about what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Patrick, anything else from you? I think that's it. Okay. And we're out.